This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. the Colors Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Igo. We just got done with Baseball Media Day over at Clark Leclerc Stadium. Earlier today, on this Monday, we are less than 30 days away, I believe 25 days to be exact, away from the start of the 2023 ECU baseball season. We got a ton of audio to get to, and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to briefly introduce each interview, uh, there were nine total on Media Day, and we're going to run the audio in its entirety. So if you're an ECU baseball fan, you're going to want to listen to this. If you're not, and you just want to learn about some uh, interesting stories, pick up some tidbits on East Carolina baseball heading into a new season, definitely stay tuned. But this is going to be a long podcast full of audio from head coach Cliff Goblin, also associate head coach Jeff Palumbo who has been here the entire time with Coach Godwin. We also have a in-depth conversation with Austin Knight, second-year pitching coach, a former Ole Miss catcher, who's uh, got an extensive background with Coach Godwin as well. So we talked to those three coaches. And then we talked to six players. We caught up with pitchers Carter Spivey and Garrett Saylor. And we also talked to returning position players Lane Hoover, Jacob Jenkins-Cowart, Josh Moylan, and also Alec Makarevich. So, ton of, of audio to get to, and we're going to start first with head coach Cliff Godwin. He went around 20 minutes to start off the festivities, uh, talked about a little bit of everything from his own knee surgery to the Parker Bird situation and how much of an inspiration that's been for really the entire team uh, to position battles, culture, recruiting, everything. He discussed it. Of course, we just had Coach Godwin on the Hoist of Colors podcast a few weeks ago. You'll hear some repeat stuff from that interview as naturally not too much has changed since then, but also a lot of new and interesting stuff as well. So we'll start today's podcast with our Cliff Godwin interview. Well, good morning. Um, first off, just want to say thanks for coming. It always amazes me. It seems like we get more people in here each and every year. So I appreciate you guys 
uh, coming out and covering our guys and just our program, and it means a lot to me, obviously, being uh, alumni here. It, it's really special to see the uh, exposure we get and just the, the media presence. So thank you guys for that. Uh, to start with, uh, you know, it's exciting. You know, we get to start full team practice on Friday. We got our banquet on Saturday. You know, you really have about three weeks to, to play one another and get ready for our first game. So our guys are fired up. Um, they've done a really good job. Uh, this has been a good of a team as far as showing up and going about their business the right way. Um, it, it's been really refreshing as a head coach when your assistant coaches and your players, man, they're just showing up each and every day with a ton of intent and energy and executing what we ever throw at them. And it's been really nice to see. So uh, I'll open up for questions. Um, ready for the hard ones, I guess. I go. Coach, just given how last year went, especially you know, beginning, what, what did y'all learn from you know, maybe some of the early struggles that y'all had last year that you made from a lot this year? Well, I woke up this morning and I said, well, I don't think there's been a publication that has ranked this preseason in the top ten. So that's been our Achilles heel in 2017, I think, last year. I'm just kidding. I don't buy into that stuff. But last year there was just a lot of distractions, man, to be honest with you. And, and everybody, I'm sure, wants to point to you know, us lo losing one of our best players. But there was a lot of distractions behind the scenes you guys didn't see and uh, a lot of drama, to be quite honest with you. And it was a lot to manage. I thought our guys, once they decided to play as one unit, did a really good job. And that was the, the fun part, you know, the 20-game winning streak. You know, a lot of people will call and say, hey, what, what did you say to them? And I said, I didn't say anything to them. I just got stepped step back and got out of the way and let them play baseball, and, and that was really fun to be a part of. Do you try, I don't know, to be more hands-off? Hands I don't know if that's the right word, just based on how the end of last year went. You, to, you change it from year to year. Well, I've had to be more hands-off with my knee and stuff, so uh, that's been fun to watch our leaders take over and our assistant coaches they've been tremendous uh ak and coach palumbo and colby and blake and heath uh so they've done a really good job has any of the younger guys maybe stepped in this, that leadership role from a player side after having some, some losses <clears throat> charlie hodges did a really good last year behind the scenes you know a lot of people didn't see him because he was hurt with tommy john surgery but he was pretty much our pitching coach uh in the bullpen He's done a really good job, and, and then you've got the older guys. When you, when you have guys like Carter Spivey, Garrett Saylor, Lane Hoover, guys that have been in your program five years, uh, AMAC, uh, Carter Cunningham's done a really good job. It's been really, like I said, is we put stuff down on paper, and they go about their business like their coaches. They hold one another accountable. And really, this day and age, that, that's unheard of because there's so much selfishness out there and what what is it in for me and how much NIL money am I going to get and you know coach yelled at me yesterday so th that's been the real refreshing part about this team is they've just shown up and gone about their business uh, I, I don't I'm sure they've seen the rankings but nothing has changed since rankings have come out with the way they've approached their day-to-day -day. so uh, once again that's really refreshing as a head coach last year late in the season you said it was the most player-led team you've ever had Who's the kind of the hardest guy to replace from a leadership standpoint? Do you think this team will be just as player-led as last year? Um, I think it was a collective unit last year. Uh, you know, uh, Ben Newton really took uh, upon himself to kind of go over game notes each and every day before we would play a game, and, and Cooch Manor helped out with that. Uh, I, I think this group has taken uh, really a – you know, it's every team's different, and they've taken on their own mantra, 
Uh, and, and that's the thing that even back to the fall, you know, they got a 3.62 team GPA, and they just showed up and competed every day at practice. So that was good to see. Cliff, you talked about drama and distractions. I know you've also, the team and you personally, have dealt with some real trials, life and death type situations. How does, you know, kind of going through those types of things, what does that do for a team and, and its culture and dynamics? Well, seeing Parker Bird come to the facility and just, uh, you know, with a smile on his face and him being at practice when he can, when he doesn't have PT and stuff. I mean, if that doesn't, you know, put things into perspective, then I don't know if you've got a pulse. So that's been, you know, awesome. I mean, he makes me better. He makes our team better. Um, obviously, it was a very tragic moment. But I tell you what, of, of all the people it could ever happen to, he's taken and ran in a very positive way. And he's not just affecting our team, he's affecting people all around the country in a positive way. Well, we had a recruit on campus. And, uh, you know, of course, I, I don't answer my phone with the recruit, but we're finishing up. I had just finished up offering him a scholarship, and uh, my phone just kept ringing in my watch and I looked down and it's Jeff Bird it was on a Saturday and I knew once like the third time he was calling that it wasn't good so I just told the recruit and his parents I had to step away and Jeff obviously was in a panic and said hey I need you to get over to the emergency room so I dropped whatever I was doing and got my car and, and I actually beat Parker there to the emergency room I, I never could see Parker um, but I was there um, and then the guys that were on the boat and his girlfriend showed up so I got a chance to spend some time with them until Jeff and, and Mitzi and the rest of the family showed up Parker seems to want to uh, you know play baseball again obviously he's hitting a lot of that stuff See, have you guys talked about a goal like in the future like for him uh, no, no timetable. I think that's something that is tough to put a timetable on. The thing that Jeff and I talked about originally was to make him part-time. So he was a part-time student in the fall. He'll be a part-time <laughs> student in the spring. So his clock doesn't start uh, for his eligibility. Um, you know, he just got his prosthetic uh, right before Christmas. What a great Christmas present. And it's not something, and probably I was a little bit naive, it's not something that, hey, when you get a prosthetic, you just put it on and, man, you're going. Um, you know, you've got to get that area uh, toughened where you can uh, have the prosthetic on. you got to get those quad muscles strong. So it was a process for him to be able to wear it for the entire day. And then I think once he continues to, you know, get that leg strong, I think you probably even get into a probably more dynamic prosthetic. And so all that's a process. But... I wouldn't bet against him. I tell people all the time, you know, people say, hey, he's going to bet. I say, I wouldn't bet against him. I just see the way he works and the attitude he has. Who are some of the guys that have, have taken the biggest lead this offseason? I guess from a position player standpoint, starting off with I look at Carter Cunningham. I think Carter, you know, came in last year and probably put a lot of pressure on himself. On himself. He was really good friends with Zach Agnos. He was kind of in Zach's shadow a little bit. Uh, this year, he's taken a very professional approach about the way he goes about his business and just trying to be the best version of himself. He's been a really good leader. Um, he's kind of taken Dixon Williams under his wing because they both hit left-handed. He's just been another assistant coach on the field. Um, you know, Hoof is Hoof. Uh, JC, we're still trying to get him to take on more leadership roles. Uh, Ryan McChrystal and Justin Wilcoxon, I think, have made big jumps as far as being two elite catchers behind the plate. 
And pitching-wise, Charlie Hodges, he's a wild card for me because he's probably 14, 15 months out of Tommy John. In the fall, he pitched a little bit at the back end. But when it was about a year out, you just your command's not as good, and we're worried about your arm health. But now he's really coming. I think the sophomore class of pitchers that were freshmen last year, all of those guys have made big jumps. You look at Jake Hunter, uh, Eric Ritchie, Merrick Beaker. Uh, I really don't count Trey Savage in that group because he pitched a lot for us, but even him, he's made big jumps um, into the standpoint that, you know, you possibly could see him as a starter. So that's the one thing about our program, and I give all the credit to our assistant coaches, is they develop guys that are in a program. If the guys are willing to work and stick it out, then they get better. And Coach Knight's done a great job with the pitchers. <laughs> Coach Palumbo and Coach Bortles have done a great job with position players to develop those guys to, um, you know, really allow their talents to come to the top. Would you like to see maybe more of an established starting, like starting pitching rotation versus kind of the plug and play that you guys did a lot last year? Coach Knight, yeah, we we will uh, we'll get a little more sleep this year, I think, because uh, our pitching depth's a lot better. You know, that, that's not something, and, and Coach Knight would tell you this, I tell you this, I'm a traditionalist. I don't like having openers, but last year we had to do what was necessary to give our team a chance to win. And I think, um, not to give myself credit is, but we just talked to the pitchers last year about everybody being a closer. And if you can just go out there and throw one inning, then we'll give the ball to somebody else. And it allowed our guys to have confidence and really uh, a selfless attitude. And they didn't really care when they pitched. They knew that a lot of them, if they were healthy, they were going to have a chance to, to go out there and pitch. So, but yes, I mean, in a, in a perfect world, you'd like to put out a Friday, Saturday, Sunday starting rotation. Cliff, you mentioned earlier about your knee. Um, how did off-season knee surgery go for you? How are you feeling right now? And will you be able to be out there at third bases this season? Well, and uh, less of my tackles me, I think I'll be in good shape to coach third base. Uh, yeah, it was a grind. Um, Got my pick line out today, so I actually can bend my arm a little bit better and take a shower while getting saran wrap around my arm, so that's pretty cool. Um, but no, my knee's actually feeling good. It's just the antibiotics make me feel like crap. Coach, uh, shortstop wise, you that something where you kind of see that going into the season as kind of a, I don't know, open competition or something like that? There's something that will have to play itself out for I can only imagine what the message board's questions about shortstop are. Uh, we'll have a very quality guy that runs out there, but you might see multiple faces. Um, you know, Joey Barini really in the you know first few weeks we've been back has done a great job. Uh, he's playing with a lot more confidence. Um, Coach Palumbo's done a great job with him, uh, continuing to get him better defensively. Uh, Connor Rasmussen. Same thing, him and Nate Chrisman both have continued to develop as freshmen with Coach Palumbo and, and look a lot better. Um, and AMAC could go over there. I mean, Dixon Williams has done a good job at third third base. Uh, AMAC's one of the best defenders in the country, I would say, at third base, but he also can play shortstop. So you could see a lot of different guys, and, and those guys need to just be the best versions of themselves because they all kind of bring a little bit something else to the table. Um, they're all different in, in their own way. When you have freshmen, like last year, uh, a couple of pitchers come to mind, Jacob Jenkins, Coward, when they have success so early, what's maybe some of the challenges to continuing that into their sophomore year? Uh, for JC, just to be himself, you know, I told him if he put up the same offensive production as he did last year, that's enough, but continue to take more leadership roles. Uh, 
you know, you'll, you'll probably see him starting in center field to start off with just because of his personality, his vocalness in center field. Um, he's a long strider, so he'll probably play a little more shallow than you've seen center fielders play in the past because he really goes back on the ball really well and he's got a plus arm. But just to be himself and not try to, you know, be unbelievable, just keep coming every day and, and trying to get a little bit better, I think that's the biggest thing. I think when they try to do too much, a lot of times it can kind of snowball on them for sure. Is his personality kind of, He's a very unique individual in a positive way. Um, I, I don't know if I've met anyone like Jacob Jenkins Coward. Uh, he puts a smile on my face. He's an energy giver. Uh, he makes our team better, even if he's not doing anything at the plate offensively. He is a fiery, emotional guy, which I, I like. I mean, I like guys that mean something to him, and it means something to him. And um, so it, it's, it's fun to be around. Coach, I got to add, you know, the Alec Burleson flag to the, uh, the MLB wall. So what, what was it like kind of watching him play last year, get down to see that come to fruition? Well, I, w I was more worried about him. You know, everybody would call me and ask me when Burley was getting qu called up. So when I would talk to him, I said, well, I can only imagine what people are asking you. If they ask me, that's the first question they ask me. And just keeping them in a positive mindset and, hey, you're doing what you need to do. It's a business. They'll call you up when they want to call you up, and you can't get frustrated when other guys are getting called up. But being able to fly the staff out there and being on the field for BP, um, thank Mike Schilt for that. He got us BP passes. I, I didn't want to ask Burley for BP passes. He'd only been up for like three days. So we just asked for tickets from Burley and then BP, BP passes from Mike Schilt. And to spend some time with him, it was a very quick trip, but we got to hang out with him on the field for BP and then hung out with him for about 15, 20 minutes after the game. And, uh, you know, he didn't get to play, but it was just awesome to see him in that Cardinals uniform and, and know how much, uh, you know, he meant to ECU baseball. You got a ton of guys in the minors and Norby and Gavin. Clip. Hey, hey man, good to see you, brother. Great to see you. Uh, guys getting close to maybe getting that call up, but to have a guy hitting a home run in Major League Baseball, like how big of a recruiting pitch is that? How interested are kids in, in seeing stuff like that? To be honest with you, I got no idea what kids are interested in anymore. <laughs> what makes them make decisions, uh, what makes parents help them make decisions or not uh, help them make decisions, but it can't hurt. And for him to do it after Pujols' 700th was, was pretty awesome from my standpoint. So, um, you know, our guys have gone out there and done a good job. You know, it's great to see Gavin do what he's doing and Norby doing what he's doing. And I just want those guys to keep putting their head down and go to work and so we can see them up in the big leagues very shortly as well. Cliff Carter Spivey's gotten some buzz, and obviously he's kind of a leader on your pitching staff. How is he leaning into that and just the expectations? Spivey's just gone about his business as he did last year, you know, when nobody really expected anything of him. And we, we all know how that turned out. And um, he's been through a lot of adversity here. Nobody will remember it, especially after last year. But for him to, you know, come back and, and really want to be a part of our team when he could have went somewhere else, that means the world to me. And uh, our teammates see that and they respect him for that. And he's uh, continued to get better with Coach Knight. So definitely – you know, he'll have the opportunity to, you know, pitch on Friday nights for us. Uh, there's still a few weekends here to see that competition unfold. But um, just having a guy that's a fifth-year senior that has been out there in pretty much every situation you can imagine um, and had success and then also had not success early in his career. So uh, that gives us a comfort level.
there a guy you're kind of hoping steps into like what Bryce Morrill did for you in the lineup last year? Because I mean, he could not hit most of the time. Well, Bryson, the last month, I mean, you guys saw it. That That's as special of a month that I've seen here at East Carolina. I mean, he, you know, carried us a lot offensively for sure. You know, going into last year, uh, we talked to the hitters, and I think our offensive lineup will be very similar this year. You know, there will be a lot of guys that can hit 5 to 10. We never expected somebody to hit 20 last year, but we felt like there were some guys that hit 5 to 10 and some double-digit guys. And um, I feel like our offense will do the same this year. We'll have some guys that can run, some guys that will hit doubles, and then some guys that hit home runs as well. Coach, you had a lot of lefty hitters last year. You all probably have that again this year. Can you look at maybe some of the younger right-handed guys that have come to the program as maybe somebody that you know, balance that a little bit as you go I don't know if we're going to be very balanced offensively. We have a lot of left-handed hitters. We'll have more left-handed hitters this year in the lineup than we did last year, uh, at least initially, I feel like. Um, Amax actually dealing with a, a little bit of a wrist injury that doesn't allow him to hit right-handed right now, so that puts it even more left-handed dominant. Um, but he's good to hit left-handed. He's good to throw. He's good to take ground balls, so that's a positive of it. We just got to see how that wrist uh, reacts as we continue to get closer to the season. But we'll definitely be left-handed dominant. How was Riley Johnson's recovery doing from the shoulder surgery last year? Riley's 100% healthy. Um, you know, that was the one thing that in the middle of the season, uh, I just didn't think it was fair to him um, to be a pinch runner and to play defense for us last year when he couldn't swing the bat at the level um, that he's capable of. So we got a medical red shirt for him last year, which he could have helped us, but like I said, I didn't think it was fair to him. He's 100% healthy. He's actually had a really good preseason. Uh, Luke Nowak, who you saw a little bit in pinch running situations last year, he actually had the same surgery uh, as soon as summer baseball was over that Riley did, and, and he's 100%. So uh, another guy, I mean, he's probably our fastest guy, I mean, from home to first. I mean, he runs four flats uh, down the line, Nowak does. So that gives us another speed option as well. So excited to have both those guys healthy. Any transfer portal guys that are going to make impact right away? Uh, you know, Childress is still uh, kind of up in the air. He's still bat battling some arm stuff. Uh, Tyler Brock from VMI has looked really good, and Willie Lumpkin from Winthrop has looked really, really good. The, the thing that has been the most important thing to me is that they've really fit in well with our guys and have really bought into our culture. Uh, the portal will not be somewhere that we live. Uh, we'll you know, pick up a piece here and there if we need to in a situation where the draft hurt us a little bit last year. Um, and those guys have done a tremendous job. Coach, you all been pushing, obviously, the third base, you know, kind of left field expansion a while. How, what type of progress have you all made? And once you all get that done, how much will that add to your program? Well, nobody lets me know the financial stuff. You know, I, I feel like I should know <laughs> since the money I donated. So, Ron Robinson, he's giving me an update. So. Uh, he's not in here, but I guess he'll see this. So uh, I think it's going really well. We've had a lot of people step up big. I think the banquet will help, um, you know, getting in front of people once again. And I think baseball season will help. I know that we're really close to being sold out again season ticket-wise. Um, so that's exciting. I appreciate everybody who has bought a season ticket. Uh, hosting regionals and super regionals definitely doesn't hurt that because everybody – wants to have a seat if we're able to host a regional or super regional again, so that's exciting. But just to appreciate the passion that the Pirate fans have for us. How do you see the conference as a 
loans and are they going to be more competitive normal what does this year kind of look like from what you see i think this day and age is it's tougher to tell what other guys are going to have because of the portal and you know people transferring and you guys know me i know it's boring for you guys but i have no idea i don't care um I have no idea how good George Washington is, and um, I know they'll have some good pitching because everybody does, and if we don't play well, we'll get beat, and if we play well, we'll have a good chance to win. I mean, everybody saw that last year with Bryant, so nobody even had heard of Bryant, really, and, uh, you know, they swept us here at home, and we were preseason top ten, so it's all about us. I mean, that's the way I look at it, and that's the way our guys look at it. Well, the biggest thing, Clip, is no props, no celebratory props. So we can't uh, go put a traffic cone out on the field. No you can do it. At, hey, no sledgehammer. You got you got to do it in the dugout. So uh, I got to talk to our guys about that. So uh, you know, that back in the day, they had a little party room when guys hit home run. They shut that door in the mud room, so they might have to go back to doing that. And then the twenty second clock, they're they're making more of an emphasis on that. So. Pitchers can't just step off like they did last year and kind of fake a throw. You can do that one time per batter, but now you've got to start your windup or in your set position, you've got to be delivering the ball in under 20 seconds, which I don't really know how uh, that's going to go. Um, the reason I haven't put a clock up uh, in the outfield with the 20-second clock is because if that thing goes to zero, they're going to call it. But if there's nothing out there, then there's at least a chance that they might give you a second, you know, if they're on a watch. So those are the two biggest things. Um, they're trying to speed up the pace of play, just like Major League Baseball. But um, as of right now, we can still shift. All right, there you heard ninth-year head coach Cliff Goblin. Still strange to say it, but he talked about a little bit of everything in that interview, including wrapping up with some of the rule changes. So no more traffic cone over the head. No more brooms. So we'll have to see what the ECU dugout can come up this year for celebratory situations, such as when they hit home runs or have a big inning defensively. All right, let's transition now to pitching coach Austin Knight. He is going into his second year as the team's pitching coach with the Pirates. Obviously, he's been on staff before that, but got the promotion really from volunteer coach and Jason Dietrich's assistant to head pitching coach last year. Guys came on strong in the second half of the year. He talks a lot about kind of the philosophy of probably getting back to more of a true set rotation this year um, rather than, you know, bullpenning it every day, which is something ECU had to do last year. But ton of pitching depth. He kind of talks about a lot of those names. We, we also learned about some of the changes that the staff has made, uh, whether it be improving pitches, adding pitches, that sort of stuff. Here's Austin Knight. Again, sorry for the audio. If you guys can't pick up the questions exactly as they're said, you know, we only have one recorder uh, for these sit-down interview sessions. So, um if you turn your volume way up, you might be able to hear the questions, but you can usually get the gist based on the answer of what he's talking about in the first few sentences. So here is Austin Knight at Media Day. Just kind of what he learned about last year, you know, your first year as pitching coach and everything y'all went through, how much can you take or from last year as well? Yeah, I, I think that that's a really good question. I think at the end of every year as a coach, you kind of have to take stock on where you're at and what you did well and what you didn't do well and what you can improve at. And, and I think that there's a lot of lessons going into you know this off season that 
we look to improve on coming into the fall. And uh, I also think that it shows you that there's not one way to be successful on the mound. You know, I mean, everyone looks at it last year when we were kind of pitching by committee and it's like, oh, well, they don't have starters. They don't have this or that. But, you know, obviously it was effective for us at times and it's different. So I think whenever, you know, it's not the traditional thing that people look at it as, well, they're, they're not good in this manner. I thought our kids were warriors last year, kind of accepting that, that role and the way that we went about it. And so, uh, you know, it shows that you can get it done in a lot of different ways. And uh, last year was definitely a prime instance of that. I guess you want to have more of an established rotation mm-hmm. this year, but is it comforting to know if y'all do have to go back to something like that, even if it's not for every start, but just for like a Sunday start, that y'all have guys on staff who have been through that type of, you know, I guess uh, scenario for yeah, I think that uh, having experience pitching like that is certainly positive for the instance where maybe a start doesn't go the way that you want it to. Of course, we want to get back to a traditional manner. I think last year is going to help us to do so. Uh, having guys that really didn't have as much experience going into the spring, having to get thrown into some unique roles is going to help us moving forward into this year. And uh, you look at the staff coming back this year, I think there's, you know, obviously going into last year, not as wasn't as much experience as there is now. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that obviously uh, with the numbers we have and the quality of arms that we have, I think that if we do get in that situation, that we could still obviously be successful. Is it important to your pitchers to have that, know that role? Like, I'm going to be starter on Saturday? Yeah, of course. Definitely is. I think that that takes, uh, you know, kind of takes the, the stress off of them having to guess when they're going to go into games and different things like that. I think having a routine based around when they're going to pitch is certainly uh, really important, you know. Um, and that's where I say last year, you know, I think our guys did as a good of a job in that, that situation as you could possibly do, um, just accepting the the uh, the difference in, in how we did things. And so, but yes, to answer your question, having a routine from week to week is, is extremely important. Um, and even as a reliever, kind of understanding, all right, I may be hot this day versus the days I'm not going to be hot and what I'm doing in the weight room and what I'm doing in my throwing and all those different things. So, um, you know, having those routines based around what they're doing is, is very important, I think, for their mind just to be ready to, to pitch on those given days. Watching Carter last year, Especially at the regional championship, he's a little like a, a different guy on the mound, like intense, focused. Like, what did you see that maturation from maybe early in his career to, to flipping that switch? I think it had everything to do with confidence, you know, going out there and, and doing it. You know, Coach touched on it a little bit. It has not always been easy for Carter Spivey. And even going back into the fall of last year, it was not easy for Carter Spivey. You know, it, it took him getting out there, having some success, us giving him the ball in situations where it mattered and the game was on the line and him going out and, and, and doing it. And then, you know, I notice kind of when we get into that 20-game that win streak, the way that he was carrying himself out there, he looked like a, a front-line guy for us, even though he's pitching in the middle of the the middle of the game um you had a, a ton of confidence that he was going to get it done and it, you could just see if you're watching it on tv or you're watching it from the side the determination that he carried himself with and the confidence uh when we gave him the ball i had you know full expectation that we were gonna we we're gonna either finish the game or, or get ourselves a chance to win that game so um that's kind of when the the switch flipped for him i think kind of in the middle of the season and um it was a noticeable difference from the beginning of the year or the early spring or even the fall for sure 
with, with this program being so successful, you guys end up playing you know upwards of sixty five ish games a year. So how do you kind of manage some pitchers' arms when they you know maybe pitch twice as many innings or something like that? You know, just yeah, did in high school. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, there is a whole process that goes with that from. Our trainer, uh, Zach Womack, who, who's an unbelievable trainer, does an unbelievable job with our guys, and then our strength and conditioning coach, Dennis Wilson, and of course myself. But everybody from the beginning of the fall to even now, they're, they're trained a certain way. So certain starters are on a seven-day rotation, and so they know what each day looks like leading up into their, their start day. And then as we get into the fall, we also kind of split guys off that we feel like are probably going to be relievers for us. And we start training them for those, for those specific situations because with from your point you know relievers in in high school there's not really such thing either the guys that we're recruiting pretty much all come in as starters and so uh, for them to be able to take the ball multiple times a week uh, you have to train them and and get them ready for that or else we're neglecting what is actually going to happen in the spring and so we start working on that process in the fall and everybody has a detailed throwing plan each day uh, all their arm care stuff, all their weight room stuff, it's all mapped out for them throughout the course of the week. And then just the throwing of each day. You know, we have heavier days, which would be more of a bullpen or our competitive days. Then we have recovery days where there's very, very light toss going on. And then, uh, you know, and th- there's two days a week where it's, uh, you know, kind of up to them from a choice depending on how they're feeling. But you're training them to be ready for the spring. Um, and, you know, if we just kept them all in a starter routine throughout the whole fall and the whole spring, then we're probably neglecting what the what the reality of the spring is going to look like. Coach, do you have any other, like Zach last year was a position player who pitched quite a bit. Um, anybody else in that boat that you're pitching a bit who's their primary role is going to be elsewhere. Uh, fortunately, at this point, no. Hopefully, it stays that way because um, that was an interesting uh, juggling act for Zach. Because you know, playing a premier position like shortstop, there's a lot of throwing that taxes the arm, and so um, he did an incredible job of, of of managing that. You know, it's not like he's out in right field or left field and only having to throw a couple of you know, high intensity balls per day. Zach was very detailed and every single day when his catch play uh, with Coach Palumbo at the end of it, he was he was working on something pitching wise. Maybe it's in a flat ground perspective or something. And so um, that really, when, when we have those guys, it just depends on what we expect the role to be uh, from a higher volume standpoint. But Zach obviously had a high volume on both sides. So uh, what he did last year was honestly, it was amazing. Was Sailor also having that experience of being like, Close out games. You pitch in the middle. You start. How much of a comfort does that give you? Just you can kind of throw in any role. He's done that. Oh, it's the the beautiful Swiss Army knife there. He can kind of do what you want to do with him. Um, and hopefully we don't have to throw him, you know, 39 times or whatever we threw him last year. But the be- the beautiful thing about him is he is willing to do anything, you know, and he's a guy that wants to be in the moment. He wants to he wants the ball in whatever situation you want to give it to him. And, you know, I think you saw it last year where he started out as a starter and it didn't go his way. Um, and then, I mean, he's a middle reliever. He's a closer. He's a, a early a early guy. He's all those things. And having those type of guys in your in your pitching staff, it's really you know so valuable. And you can't put a, a price tag on it because you know you know when you give him the ball that it's going to be a quality a quality uh, inning or a quality outing, whatever it may be. So you know the value that Garrett Saylor brings forth with our pitching staff is uh, just tremendous. Do you personally feel any different right now? Say this time last year, just you know, going through it, being the voice in the field. How much do you feel like you've 
change? Well, I hope I feel a little bit different every year. You know, as you continue to get experience and continue to learn from things that went well or, or maybe the mistakes that you made, I, I hope that I don't ever get to the point to where I just feel the same every single year. But, yeah, absolutely. I think last year with what we were able to do certainly gave everybody involved some confidence moving forward. Um, and then this year, kind of having that, that blueprint of, like I said, when you take stock and you want to move forward, um, I think that this fall – of course, we're trying to build more well-rounded pitchers, guys that can go multiple times to the lineup and things like that. But you're just trying to make everybody a little bit more dynamic, whether that's with their repertoire, whether that's with their mindset, whatever it may be. Um, but, yeah, I hope that even, you know, the, the pitchers from last year, the freshmen, the young guys, I hope that they feel a lot different, you know, moving forward into the spring and have a lot more confidence in themselves, for sure. I feel like pitching is always just evolving, just how the game works. I mean, so what's your offseason – maybe knowledge sourcing like I mean how do you kind of approach that is he trying to find different ideas or how do you always always um you know as far as that goes we have a lot of people that we trust and you talk to in the game of baseball um but there's more resources out there than there ever is as well and so you kind of have to find what fits with your program and the structure that you're putting forth with the program but uh, I mean, I'm, I listen to something, a uh, podcast on pitching or anything pretty much every single day where you're trying to get new ideas, you're trying to learn something new that may affect one pitcher on your staff. You know, it could be one pitcher that it makes a huge difference for. Um, and so, like, yes, the knowledge base and the, the resources they have to be used in this game or else you're going to get left behind, whether you're a player, you're a coach, it, does, it doesn't really matter. And so you got to take advantage of the resources. And yeah, this game is just like anything in life, really. You're always learning something or you're just, kind of getting stagnant so any guys you've seen kind of make a big jump from last year to this year and yeah I think it's it's easy to look at the guys that you saw a lot last year from you know Spivey and Groves and you Savage and Jay Connor but I think coach hit on a little bit but that sophomore group has um they've been impressive kind of improving especially since they've been back at the spring you look at guys like even Jaden Winter, a guy who you didn't see much last year, um, his ability to pitch, his ability to execute, uh, to have quality secondary stuff from a year ago where it was a lot of fastballs. Kind of the same with Jake, where Jake is now, as you as you saw in the Purple Gold World Series, Jake is now a four-pitch pitcher and is not throwing 85% fastballs or whatever it may be. Um, you know, Carter Spivey, obviously, last year was a guy that was throwing – a lot of cutters, and now he's four-pitch mix guy. And you have to be careful with that because you don't want to get away from their strengths, right? When, when, when the game is on the line, you want to obviously run with the pitcher's strengths. But as I said, um, you're looking to make guys more dynamic. But, you know, guys from Eric Ritchie. Eric Ritchie's a left-hander that didn't pitch for us last year has improved greatly. You know, uh, let's – Obviously, Merritt Beaker, Jaden Winter, Jordan Little is a guy with a really, really good arm and a really high high ceiling. Um, and so excited to see him get out there and compete a little bit. You know, Trey Trey has gone from being a two-pitch guy. And it, it, the year transformation from him in the early spring last year from his bullpens and to his first outings to where he's at now and the maturization of him, it's – it's always really impressive, and so he's he's improved greatly. So I'm definitely excited to see a lot of those guys get out there this spring, especially early spring when we start competing and, and really get a good gauge of where they're at. With Trey, obviously, we saw him pitch at the back end or kind of clean up innings last mm -hmm. year. What are those conversations like? Hey, do we want to make this guy throw his 95 a starter and kind of do some of those things versus you know using maybe in those spots where you clean up stuff? Is that kind of the balance there trying to figure out his role. 100%. You know, it's definitely something that we're talking about daily and that I'm talking about with Trey. You know, the thing about Trey is 
the, 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 I think the hold off on wanting to make him a starter is just what he was able to do at times last year when he'd come into these huge situations where there's bases loaded and go punch out, punch out, pop up, and him understanding that, hey, like, People, you don't, you don't do that. <laughs> you know, like that's not a normal thing, Trey. And so um, I think it's going to depend a lot on where we feel like we're at come to the, uh, you know, spring scrimmages and different things like that. Um, but I'm very comfortable with putting him into either role, you know, with where he's at right now, whether it's as a starter or whether it's as a, a reliever and a guy's pitching multiple times a week. I think, uh, you know, it, it could go either way at this point, and we'll, we'll see. Um, but, you know, I think – using a blueprint from last year when we had guys with experience in the middle and the back end of the game there's a, a ton of value to that i mean him as, a, as an example too i mean he pitched out of the stretch a lot mm-hmm. right? just even that's a, another dynamic to, to move into a starter's role right just yeah i mean he can, he can pitch out of the stretch in, in the you know with nobody on base and things like that but he's he's pitching out of the windup now as well um yeah, I mean, it's definitely something to think about. And, again, he didn't pitch a ton this fall just because I felt like we rode him pretty hard in the spring. And he went out and pitched this summer to develop as a starter. And so he had a few outings. Um, and so this, this early spring is, is important to kind of see where he's at as far as if he is going to be a starting option for us or if we feel more comfortable with keeping him in the bullpen. What have you seen the way uh, pitches are called uh, evolved over the years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, now now we it's, – it's funny. This technology is interesting. But now we have watches where basically I have a calculator in my hand. I just type in the number and it goes straight to the, all the watches, to all the players on the field. And so, yeah, it's taken away all of the uh, sign stealing. Now, of course, we still have to do a good job of, of pitchers concealing pitches and the catcher's doing a good job of uh, not giving location and different things like that. But – Man, you know, for practice, it, it's simplified things a lot because we don't have to work their night signs. We don't have to work through uh, all the different sign sets. They just, you know, have the calculator and it goes into their into their watch and boom, let's let's roll from there. So uh, it's made pitching coaches' jobs a lot easier. How long have you had that system? We just got it this fall. Now we've, of course, last year we did a mix of the catcher giving the signs without anybody on base or at second base. And then we had the, the sign card, which I know you guys all love the, the sign card and us giving the signs and all that stuff. I know that's that fires y'all up. But, uh, you know, we had that with the guy at second base last year. And so now we've we've moved forward with these watches because there was some teams such as Virginia and Vanderbilt and guys that, you know, that we talked to about it. And they said that if you don't you don't do it, you're crazy. So uh, we, we've moved forward with that. Coach, I'm curious with you as a former catcher, what's kind of your relationship like with Crystal Wilcox and those guys in addition to handling pitchers like do you try to Always, yeah, it's it's extremely important. I think that's where you saw Ben Newton last year was a, a huge piece to us having success because he challenged our guys in the right way and he understood that he needed to be at times a psychologist, at times a guy that you know pushes their buttons and different things like that. And so you're always working on that with catchers because you can give them that that unique perspective and help them understand. And so those guys, uh, they probably get a little tired of me challenging them in the bullpen because I'm always Ryan McChrystal, Justin. Nick Delisi, those guys, I'm always challenging them to to be game-like in the pen and develop those relationships. And to their credit, they ask a lot of questions as well, you know, especially Ryan, a, a guy moving into his sophomore year. He asks a lot of questions about pitch sequencing, about handling guys, about about different things like that. So it's it's I think it would be crazy for me not to help those guys in those situations just because I've, I've been back there before. 
do you have a closer, or is that kind of kind of develop as you go? I hope we have a lot of them. You know, I hope we have a lot of them. No, we we will not have a, a set closer. I think you, you know, in in this day and age in college baseball, you hope you have a couple of guys that can go finish a game for you. Um, and the way that we've always done our our pitching and our relievers is, man, when the, when the opportunity comes up, you don't know when you're going to win or lose a baseball game. Um, it can be in the fourth inning where you give up a three or four spot. It can be in the sixth inning. It can be in the ninth inning. You know, and yes, those outs are tough to get at the end. And sometimes it's you know you saw with Sailor and Spivey and guys like that where they come in in the seventh inning and they finish the game. You know, and you hope to have an opportunity where it's not just once that guy who goes and pitches the ninth inning every single time because, I mean, if that's the guy you're choosing, then he's probably pretty good and he may be needed in the sixth inning. You know, and so it's more uh, it's more about who's right for the situation, who's right for the matchup. Uh, and of course, you know we're going to bring our, qual- our most quality arm out of the bullpen for those situations. There is Austin Knight. You heard him talk about his relationship as a former catcher with the East Carolina catchers, as well as the pitchers as the pitching coach. We next go to associate head coach Jeff Palumbo. He has been Cliff Godwin's top right-hand man since Godwin returned to his alma mater years ago. He has decided to stay with Cliff Godwin despite head coaching opportunities at other Division One programs. I asked him about that along with the competition at shortstop, uh, the improvements of uh, Joey Barini, and much more. Here is associate head coach and recruiting coordinator Jeff Palumbo at ECU Baseball Media Day. Um, coach, he's kind of referenced the extra work the guys have put in on maybe yeah I mean I think in terms of their willingness to work and improve um, it's been it's been great I mean they're just they're all all awesome kids and you know I've really uh, of course we took some time right in the fall early part of the fall to figure out what you know what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are and obviously as you get out and recruit them you, you feel like you have a pretty good idea of it but until you get a chance to work with them every day um, you know, and then you see it, you, you figure it out. So really took some time after the fall to uh, get with some of those guys one-on-one that are maybe new to the program and just kind of go to go to work with what they needed to do, we felt like. So it's interesting. They're all different. You know, all those guys out there that are working, they're all very different uh, in terms of some of what their strengths and weaknesses are. So it's just about identifying them. But they've, they've, they've done a great job. You know, they've done a great job taking the information, going to work and, and uh, really over that three week four week stretch of December um, they have to do it on their own you know so you kind of give them that blueprint for what they need to work on and they've come back uh, but you, you, once you get you all get a chance to meet all those guys you'll you'll see they're really uh, really really neat kids and um, they're they're they're, they're uh, just going to work every single day and they're they're um, you know, their interactions with each other, right? They're out there competing, and it's one of those jobs that's, you know, doesn't, you know, Zach being out there or Ryder being gone, those those situations, they know it's open, you know, and they're competing every day, but going about it in, in, in the right way and being good teammates at the same time. So it's been fun to work with all of them and a um, long time between now and opening day, obviously. How have you seen maybe Barini in particular growth? Because he's been here a couple of years now, and 
maybe we don't talk about him enough, uh, just to, as kind of a key guy off the bench, but now could be in that, that mix. For sure. I mean, Joe, Joey's, Joey is – the thing about Joey is he's pretty pretty quiet. You know, he's pretty reserved. So, um, But you, you guys have all seen players that have, have been in the program, you know, and how, how – how much that impacts them just being in the program knowing coach you know coach's expectations and knowing what to do every single day and I know coach and I just referenced those sophomore pitchers and I've, I've always said when you look back at some of the players that have come through the program in our time here the Connor Norbies of the world and you know even even uh, like a Jacob Starling last year right just having that year under their belt uh, is it's huge. And so Joey's had a couple, you know, and some of those other guys out there, they're going through it for the first time. And I, and I just think, you know, he's, he's come back, especially here over the last few weeks and just done a really, really good job of showing up at practice um, and, and kind of taking his game to another level. And really with that position, it just comes down to consistency, right? You, you, you look at our guys, Turner Browns and Ryder Giles, Zach Agnos, those guys have run out there and you just pretty much knew what you were getting, you know, every single day. And, of course, they made their mistakes at times. Not many of them, but when they did, you know, they didn't really compound those things. And sometimes that can be hard for, for young players, right? And, and Joey, I think, has done a nice job of, of just continuing to show up every day. He shows up every day. He works hard. And, you know, steadily we talk about getting 1% better every day. Well, that kid's been doing that a long time, you know, and you're starting to kind of see the results of, of just the work he's put in. He's been really consistent. So, again, we'll get into the next three weeks and go play. And, um, practice is one thing. Going out and doing it when you got three weeks to opening day, and speed of the game picks up, and all those all those factors, um, you know, become a little a little bit more relevant. You kind of see how they handle it. So, but Joey's done a great job. Is there something to be learned or shared from his mindset, Joey's mindset, of just maybe he doesn't start, but he seems to come through in all the opportunities he's given? For sure, yeah. I mean, coach references it all the time, you know. And I think that it's it's really as a coach, it's it's great because it gives you right. You're always talking about, hey, stay ready, stay ready. And and I, I think in our program, maybe a little bit more relevant than some others, the way coach you know uses the bench and really you know whether it's a a, a late substitution defensively in the outfield or a, a pinch runner going in the game. I mean, it, you don't have to be in this program real long to realize I better be prepared and I better be ready. Um, so, you know, I think, but that said, when Joey goes out there and gets big pinch hits and, and you look back already over the course of the career, how many, how many starts he's had, maybe versus how many big impactful at-bats, right? You know, so that ratio just kind of, hey, you always have to be ready. And, and to your point, it, it shows that when you show up and you work every single day, um, in some ways, you know, of course, Joey wants to be out there as much as he possibly can, like all of our guys, but you wouldn't necessarily know it, you know, the way he goes about his work, the way he carries himself. Uh, he just stays prepared. And as a coach, it's great to see those guys have success because, you know, that's going to motivate the other guys. But the reality is that's life, right? He's deserving of success, you know, and that's really, you want them to kind of walk away saying, hey, in all aspects of my life, I put in the work, even though I'm not getting the results. And coach tells the guys this all the time, it may not be tomorrow, but you're going to get an opportunity and you're going to be prepared for that opportunity more times than not, you know, good things are going to come your way. Talked a little bit about how NIL and the transfer portal makes it maybe even more difficult to cultivate a team first kind of ethic. How does that change the way you lead or do your job, or has it? You know, I, I think in all reality, I mean, it starts with coach, and coach does a great job of just laying the uh, the, the foundation and the expectations of the program. And, and I think our older guys really help with that. You know, our older guys and this group as a whole. 
you know, just my personal opinion, I, I would say the, the 2017 group, you know, I really, really enjoyed coaching. Um, they just went about their work in a certain way. And, you know, I've, I've told a lot of people, I feel this group has a lot of similarities in, in the way that they're approaching, um, you know, excuse me, the 18 group and the way they're approaching their um, the work, right? We had the tough year in, in 17 and that 18 group just kind of went about their, their business um, in a, a really mature way. Um, and I feel this group has done the same thing, but I think it starts with coach and then it kind of works its way down to some of those older guys. You know, and you look at this core group of older players that have been in the program, the Hoovers, the Spiveys, the Sailors, yeah, they've just been around the program long enough to understand that when you go about things in the right manner and you treat people with respect and you go about in a selfless way, it's going to filter down to the rest of the team. So although, you know, with the NIL and, and those those guys coming in through the transfer portal, I think it's still, still at least within our program where those guys come in and they realize pretty quickly, this is how it's going to go here, you know, and it's been this way for a long time. And the results have been pretty darn consistent and pretty darn successful. So not going to change, you know, and obviously that comes from coach, but that's not going to change. So either they're going to conform to how we go about things and how we do things, or it's going to be, you're going to kind of be working uphill a little bit on trying to get out there on the field and, and, um, you know, get the opportunity to, uh, to help us. So, you know, like I, that's, that's culture, right? You know, that's really what culture is. And, and, um, you know, I'm sure coach, you guys, coaches talked about that a lot. That's why we feel like we've had such consistent success. Coach, you've had other opportunities maybe to be a head coach somewhere else. You've chosen to stay here and work with you guys who's been here the whole time. Cliff, just what has led to that relationship working so good? And, you know, why do you like you see yourself so you love this place not want to leave it? Yeah, that's, that's a uh, – has a lot, of, a lot of layers to it. But um, – you know, number one, it's it's this place. You know, it's it's everything about what we do, right? You know, when when you talk about college baseball and you talk about, you know, um, just the opportunity to to do it every single day and what we put into it, and then you have a fan base that's as passionate about the fan base here and what they put into college baseball. You know, that is, you know, for myself and my family, um, we're. You know, year year nine, and I'm just as excited about what we're doing here as I was in in, in year one, and um, so it's just something you you know y'all y'all have been here, and you realize how passionate this fan base is. It, it, it's it's really exciting to be a part of that. Um, number one, you know, look, really when it comes down to it, we're extremely happy with what we're doing here. You know, and and uh, we have not necessarily achieved the goals that that we want to achieve here, and and uh, that's a piece of it. You know, is that we've, you know, been uh, very close to getting to Omaha and winning a national championship, and and uh, firmly believe that we can accomplish those goals. And uh, we haven't been able to do that. We just I enjoy working here. I enjoy our our, uh, our coaching staff and and uh, Coach Godwin and what he's provided myself and my family and the opportunities to do a job here and, and uh, have a big impact in what goes on in the program. So all of those are layers to it. And obviously there's a, a number of personal factors that, that uh, go into that as well. But we love Greenville. We love the community, love the baseball program. And um, certainly when you have all those things, you know, in alignment, uh, you're not necessarily in a, in a rush to jump on out of it. So as much as I'd love to be a head coach um, in a great spot.
still a young man, but he's older. <laughs> Don't feel like it. <laughs> Does, do the pitches or the conversations, has it like changed over the years, or is it still the basic recruiting pitch when you talk to kids now? Yeah, I think it certainly evolves. You know, well, it, it, it evolves in a lot of ways because of, of the tradition has grown here. You know, what we've been able to achieve. And so anytime you're – Selling a, a, a winning, successful product, um, I, I think that is very helpful. Now, the younger that we've had to recruit over time, um, the less that becomes maybe a factor in, in terms of what, you know, every family is different. Every, every, every player is different. So just being able to identify what it is that they value, you know, what it is that's important to that family um, while at the same time staying true to what we are, right? Because at the end of the day, when they show up here on campus and they get here to move into the dorm that summer, you, you don't want them coming under false pretenses of what they think they're coming to because then it's not going to work, you know. And, and I tell every family, every player that uh, – and, and I think you all know Coach Gowan uh, well enough to know that he's, he's not going to – he's going to tell you exactly what we are and, and uh, what the expectation is going to be once they arrive. And um, I tell them we're looking for three things, talented players that can help us win, win championships – players that are committed to their academics and doing as well as they can and, and good people and, and really have tried to stay pretty, pretty true to that, you know, because I tell them if we can get 35 to 40 players in the locker room that have those characteristics with what coaches established and what we've been able to, to do in terms of just building the foundation and developing them as people when they're here, uh, we're going to have success, and we're not going to have too many issues. You know, of course, they're 18 to 22 year olds, so they're going to make mistakes. And um, you know, but I think when you look at the track record of success, academic success, um, how the community feels about you know the the, the group of players that that are in this building, um, you know, we've uh, been been pretty successful with that, and just tried not to stray from it. Now understanding what makes them tick and what they what they want as well of course when you're recruiting them you're always trying to right hit home with those things and trying to get them to really just truly understand what this place is all about you know going back to Stephen's question you know I want them to feel what I feel and if I can the sooner we can get their their families to understand and getting them here to see game days and all those things are really important because then they get a chance to kind of see it in person so we try try our best to you know, bring that to them as much as we can, you know, and, and uh, but at the same time, it's it's trying to figure out what's important to them and trying to get them over here to see how special this place is. There is associate head coach Jeff Palumbo. Again, you can tell how much East Carolina meets to him and his family as he addressed the situation with remaining at ECU. Job's not done. He wants to get ECU to Omaha and win a national championship as does Cliff Goblin. All right, on the other side, we are going to transition to players, and we are going to start with Carter Spivey. He is the preseason American Athletic Conference Pitcher of the Year. Had a breakthrough 2022 season after really three seasons of ups and downs, and Cliff Goblin's told the story about how essentially he could have left, and Coach Goblin challenged him. Carter said he wanted to stay. He couldn't see himself play at any other school besides ECU. He wanted to honor his commitment and graduate from ECU. And here he is after a breakout year. He's back for year number five. He talks about that and so much more. We're first going to take a break. And then on the other side, we'll get into our player interviews, starting with Carter Spivey. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You kind of look at this locker room, how it's changed since you first got here to now and the role you've taken on. Have you kind of become a leader just by... Absolutely, um, and learning from the guys that came before me. Um, I've been blessed to play with a lot of great, great uh, people and players, um, and just kind of taking little bits, things that they did well, and then also adding like my own kind of style to it because you know not all the same. But um, but yeah, definitely, it's a part of like a, a maturation process. I think um, it's kind of growing and being more comfortable with who you are as a person. I feel like this team has always received a lot of spotlight, especially you know preseason polls and stuff like that. And now you're getting this individually. How have you handled this in the offseason? Uh, preseason awards don't mean anything. Um, it's it's cool, you know. It's something I can you know hang my hat on, I guess, a little bit. But at the end of the day, you don't win games based on preseason awards. You still got to go out there and play. And um, you don't play games for preseason awards. You play to win. Coach talked about adding some pitches to your repertoire this year. Can you tell us some, some uh, things you worked on, I guess? Uh, yeah. Um, so I guess last year I was predominantly like a one-pitch one guy. Um, and it worked, but uh, to be the best version of myself, I needed to, to add a little bit more. Um, so I've been working on some fastball command, um, refining my breaking ball, and working on adding a change-up too. So I have a full four-pitch mix. Yeah, there's definitely no mindset change. It's still the same, going out there, do my job, give my team a chance to win. But um, the only difference is it's more of, I guess, you get like a week in between, you know, outings. Um, you get kind of like a set routine, being a reliever, you're thrown into the fire whenever you're needed. Um, but like I said, I mean, it's, it's all about winning games. I don't really care what I do. Yeah, so I actually learned it uh, back when Coach Dietz was the pitching coach here. Um, an old teammate, Parker Boyle, was actually he's the one that showed it to me. And I kept kind of fiddling with it, uh, working with it. And then over the summer, I went and played summer ball. And that's when I kind of realized that, oh, this is actually like a really good pitch. And it came back in the fall, and me and AK worked on it a little bit more and got it to where it needed to be. And the rest is history.
So when you work on a pitch like that, what does it take to get these other pitches into the mix that you also feel comfortable about? Like, how is that process? Yeah, a lot of repetition um, and bullpens. You know, me and AK have a, a like a set routine kind of. Um, before I do anything else, I'm hammering uh, glove side fastballs because that's, in my opinion, the weakest part of my game. Um, and the best way to, to shore up any weaknesses is to work on it. So before I do anything else, I hammer them, uh, probably five, seven uh, glove side fastballs, and then from there kind of move it on and just kind of working on things. How are you liking the new way of call pitches this year with the, the whole watch thing? Uh, it's not as different as you might think because um, we used to have the uh, like the, the sign cards on your wrist. It's kind of the same, but um, I actually like it. I think it helps with the pace of play. What is you and you know, Garrett's relationship like as two, two fifth-year guys? Y'all been here a while. We've probably been through a lot of the same trials, tribulations. So what's y'all's relationship like? Uh, I mean, brothers, honestly. I mean, we've been through it five years now. Um, and there's also like a little competitiveness there too, you know, like always trying to one up each other, trying to better each other. Um, I mean, we had a bullpen the other day and we're in there arguing a little bit, you know, trying to just competitive, you know, that's just kind of how it is between us. Um, we both want to be the best we can be. With this 20 second pitch clock, do you foresee any changes to how it'll affect you? I mean, is it going to force you to work faster or is it just the same? Uh, no, not really. I'm not really too worried about it. Um, we actually we practice that in bullpens too, making sure our tempo's um, you know, within the constraints and everything. And then even in scrimmages too, we'll have somebody like charting, making sure you're staying in the uh, 20 seconds. Carter, you and some of the other pitchers when the season ended could have gone and played elsewhere. And Coach said he was glad to have you back this year. You, especially right after the season ended, you said, I'm, I'm coming back immediately. Talk to me about that just a little I mean, it's, this place is special, you know. Um, and this is actually credit to Coach G. Uh, um, there, there's a good chance I probably couldn't have been here last year um, based on how the first three years of my career went. And uh, he took a chance, let me stay, and I feel like it would be wrong of me to leave, you know, just when things got good. It's not it's not who I am as a person. Um, you know, I, I honor my commitment to this place, so. Yeah, um, it's a lot of maturing, and honestly, I think my parents probably deserve the most credit for it because there were times when I wanted to leave, um, when things were getting hard, and they told me, you know, hard work. You know, it, at the end of the day, you're not going to regret working hard and sticking it out because when it finally does click for you and you finally do get success, you know, it's 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 going to be really sweet. And you're going to cherish it forever and. I mean, that's – can't argue with it, you know. It's pretty awesome, pretty cool. There is Carter Spivey again coming off a great year on the mound for the Pirates. 2-8-3 ERA and 35 appearances, an 8-0 record, 5 saves in 76 innings. He struck out 76, walked 19. Opponents at 245 against him. It'll be interesting to see how he transitions to being more of a starter, at least at the start of the year. You know, he talked about it. he's going to have to have a little bit better fastball command, a few more pitchers. Last year he was primarily cutter, um, you know, cutter-slider type deal and really worked his way through 
long outings with that, but if you're going to go through lineups two, three, four times, maybe you're going to have to have more pitches, which obviously he's aware of and, and he's working on. So there's Carter Spivey. Let's go to second, fifth-year senior pitcher Garrett Saylor. Last year, a team-high 39 appearances. You know, the numbers say he finished with a 5.01 ERA, but you look at the deeper numbers here, 79 innings, 108 punch-outs compared to 23 walks. Just dominant numbers, held opponents to a 230 batting average. Uh, you know, the home run ball bit him a little bit. He gave up 11 homers, but outside of that, was pretty much dominant. Had some ups and downs, but it was a great year from Garrett. He's back as a fifth-year p- uh, pitcher. Will likely start in the bullpen, but capable of starting games as well. Here's Garrett Saylor talking about his relationship with Carter, a fellow fifth-year senior, and much more at Media Day. Um, Garrett, I was just asking Carter about you and, you and him's relationships to guys. It sounds like y'all, almost like brothers, y'all might argue yeah. a little bit, also kind of competitiveness. Just what's that dynamic? Yeah, he's definitely like my brother. I mean, we've been together since freshman year. Uh, coming in freshman year, it was it was really just me and him and the pitching staff. Uh, we had another guy, but he was a two-way, so we didn't really see him a lot. Um, but yeah, we, we've gotten close over the years. Uh, he became my roommate last year, um, so uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, we're we're really good friends. Seeing him kind of go through some of the stuff he went through, especially early on, struggling, and then having the success he had last year, like what did that kind of mean to you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome seeing his his journey here. I know uh, those first couple years were tough for him, um, but like he put, he put everything together, and uh, I'm really proud of him for. Uh, the way uh, he's carried himself, and um, he's become a true leader on the team. Last year, y'all, I mean, y'all had a 20-game win streak really without a starting rotation or set. Yeah. Rotation. So, like, what was that like, and how much confidence does that give y'all going into this year, even if maybe things don't go according to a real plan? Y'all yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, that was that was really cool last year. I mean, it was um, it was hard, definitely, but uh, we stuck together. Um, trust their process uh yeah it gives us confidence going through this year but we're we're not like focused on anything that happened last year this is a whole different team now um a lot of veteran guys on the team but uh we're looking forward to this season yeah can you talk about the newcomers on the pitching staff what Mm -hmm. you seeing from these young guys yeah um yeah we got a couple uh young freshmen that that are looking pretty good so far a couple transfers um i'm excited to to see them play uh i think I think this is a experienced group um, with not so many new guys, which I think is going to help us uh, throughout this year. A lot of experience, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them seeing them get out there. Now, speaking of experience, you've had a lot just with pitching a lot of innings, also different roles, starting games, relieving. I mean, how do you how can you maybe lean on that to, to go into this, this season? I mean, yeah, I put I've been put in every uh, every role you could think of. Um, so I have the experience in any of those roles. Uh, I know what to do in those roles, and whenever my name's called, I'll go out there and pitch to the best of my ability. Have you worked on uh, adding pitches? Is it more just refinement at this point? Here? Yeah, I, I got one pitch. Uh, I, I definitely had the slider last year, but uh, towards the end of the year, it got pretty hard. Like It was a harder slider, so um, I put that into my rotation this year with a slower slider. So uh, I got two different sliders now. So that'll be good. Garrett, how do you balance kind of old school and new school analytics and stuff like that and spin rate and all that? What, what's important to you? Like what, 
I'm going to be honest. I've got no idea about spin rate. I don't look at it. I don't. I don't focus on it. I'm. A, I go out there to get outs. Like I don't. I don't care how my, how my ball. Like I want my ball to sink. If I'm throwing a, if I'm throwing a fastball, I don't. I don't care what the spin rate on it is. Um, I'm going out there to get outs. Felt like you had a stretch there where it got kind of untouchable, and your confidence went like that. Did you kind of have an aha moment last year, or maybe even before last season? Uh, I mean. I think my aha moment was at the first of the year. Uh, I mean, I, I go out there and I'm a starter and like, I'm not doing what, what I needed to do, what I prepared to do. And um, I got put back in the role that I've been in since freshman year, that reliever role. And um, it was like I, I, I had a good spurt and then I'd have a bad spurt. But, but after that, that one bad spurt towards the end of the year, um, I just went out there and I'm just focused on me, focused on getting outs. Uh, trying to stay on the field for as the minimum as possible, so that was that was my plan going out there. You know, last year you had a sinker. You're talking about a second slider developing at the end of the year. What did, is it almost like not linear, where it's sometimes a pitch might click for you, but other pitches might take a little while? Like what's that that process? Yeah, I mean, I mean, as a pitcher, you're not going to go out there and have all your best stuff. Like you might, but um, I think this year it's just. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on what I have that day, uh, and if that's I, if I have my sinker that day and I don't and I'm not in control of the slider, we'll focus more on the sinker. But I I think it's just about uh, what I do in in my catch play every day, what I what I do before games to get ready for that. So. Who's the toughest guy to pitch to in the squad? Mm, definitely JC. I don't know. Hoover's pretty tough too because it's it's hard to get that guy out. Um, but J- JC's is probably probably the main one that that's toughest to get out. There is Garrett Saylor heading into his fifth year as a Pirate, one of the longest tenured players on the team. We go now to the position players, and we start with Alec Makarevich. Batted two seventy last year as the team's starting third baseman with an eight ten OPS, which is on base plus slugging percentage. Eleven home runs, fifteen doubles, forty five RBI. Really came along defensively down the stretch. Made some excellent plays in the postseason. You know, 70 strikeouts last year compared to 28 walks. I know he wants to be a little bit more selective this season. Interestingly enough, will at least start the year, it sounds like, only batting left-handed. And he's been a switch hitter in the past, which the left side has been his stronger side. Coach Godwin talked about the wrist injury or some type of injury that's plaguing him right now. And he's hitting just lefty as a result. Sounds like he did that in the fall. He gets into that during this interview. Also talks about kind of just learning to hit left on left, and also some of the growing experiences from last year. Here's Alec Makarevich. Have you tried to take on more of a I don't know, leadership role this year as an older guy? I know Tom's kind of gone fast, like you were just a freshman a couple years ago, but I uh, tried to take on that leadership role. Um, yeah, definitely. A lot of the um, the freshman infielders have been asking me a lot of questions, so I just kind of give them the knowledge I've I've got and. Uh, I've gotten a lot from Agnos too, as well. So I just kind of try to pass it along to all of them. Sounds like you're you're obviously comfortable playing third from last year, but you're maybe working in short some short some some too. So what's that? Out of, do you try to get extra work in shorts, uh, you know, before after practice that sort of thing? Um, yeah, Coach P does a good job at kind of moving everybody around, keeping us ready for like every situation that we're in. So I'm prepared to do whatever needs to be done. 
feel like you got a good handle just on that left side of the infield just from having played third last year? I know you moved from the outfield, right? Yeah, I've played in a lot of different roles <laughs> for this for this team. Um, I mean, if, if I had to play first base, I'd, I'd do that too. So I'm comfortable playing anywhere at this point. How much can y'all take from last year? Y'all you know, obviously didn't start the way you wanted to finish on a high. I know y'all, y'all try to move past last year, but like, you know, everything y'all went through last year, like, what can y'all take from that? Um, just kind of keep that passion. Like we had a lot of passion last year. We have a lot this year. Having a having Parker Bird come by the field, like looking at him, the way he goes about it, that kind of shows us that like we can do anything. So it's special. What was it like as a, a teammate of him? And, you know, I don't know how well you know him at that point. Mm-hmm. Just a incoming freshman, but him going through that and kind of your emotions when you heard that story. Yeah, I mean, I was off playing summer ball in Rhode Island and heard about it and whenever I got back I introduced myself to him and got to know him real well so I talked to him pretty much every other day and I'm just I'm just happy that he can be around the field. The uh super regional last year um you had a couple big time moments you know the defensive play and then the, the home run off the guy you know how, how much you think about those moments as a positive and do you try to like draw on those from yeah, for motivation going forward. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's just an, another play for me, really. I mean, it's kind of a blur because I had so much adrenaline, like, in all those plays. But, I mean, I just try to get better every day, and hopefully something special like that will happen again for me. So, How long does it take to separate seasons and just, you know, get on to this one? Like, just from coming up last year, to how long does it take you to... Um, doesn't really, there's not really a big separation for me. Um, pretty much like every day, I just look at the daily schedule, show up to the field, <laughs> try to make people better around me, and then get better for myself as well. Yeah, I want to talk a lot about, like, you just show up every day, which I guess some people may take for granted, but, like, is it truly a mindset thing where you have to say, bring the energy today, or do you just naturally do it? I think that's kind of a God-given trait that some people have, but... I mean, it, a lot has to do with like the focus that I bring to the to the field. Are you guys kind of in countdown mode now to play against some people? I mean, I know official practice hasn't even started, but how, at this time in the year, in the preseason, are you just kind of chomping at the bit to, to see who you are and get out there? Yeah, I mean, we're really excited. Um, you can tell like the energy's been up. Like the last couple of practices we had have been probably the most fun. Coach G talked about it. That, like this team has been having the most fun that he's seen in a while. So. Yeah, we're definitely ready to go. Coach Gallup talked about you, you might be hitting lefty on the full time. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's it, you know, from a vantage point trying to pick up a lefty pitcher hitting lefty, like, is that something you have to, to rep a lot? Um, I actually did a lot of that last fall. Not a lot of people knew I actually only hit left handed last fall and then ended up batting real well, right handed and left handed, had some big ABs throughout the season. So, I'm kind of just trying to stay ready for whatever happens at any point. Was it a little bit of an adjustment? Because you haven't seen like same size pitching in a while, I'm sure. Um, we have a, a lot of like different, like I can go into the, the hitting indoor and do that. And then we have some virtual like stuff that I can do to see more pitches. So I can do some of that as well. Did you hit both sides this summer? Um, yeah, I hit both sides this summer. Yeah. Any petition to the coach to let you like catch? Play center field and knock them all out. <laughs> no, no. Alec, do you look at the the new age stuff with the launch angle? Uh, 
Um, no, actually, just uh, there was a question that came up at the hot stove banquet the other day with Mike Schilt, the manager for the Cardinals, and he said that the uh, the launch angle and stuff doesn't really help with batting average, so I've kind of listened in on that a little bit. That's Alec Makarevich, ECU starting third baseman. Could play shortstop, depending on what the Pirates need. Again, Dixon Williams, the freshman from D.H. Conley, has been playing some third base in practice as well. Really good left-handed hitting bat, so we'll see if Alex slides over to shortstop at all this season. All right, let's continue. Three player interviews remaining. We go now to Jacob Jenkins-Cowart. Really, this time last year, we didn't know much about JJC at all. He was a freshman. Not a ton of expectations this year. Obviously, that's changed. He's got a lot of expectations. But knowing JJC, as you guys will listen in this interview, pretty just kind of relaxed guy in terms of He's going to be himself. He doesn't really care what other people think. I don't think the expectations or anything are going to get to him. I think he's just going to be who JC is. 330 batting average a year ago, 10 doubles, 13 bombs, 65 ribbies, a team high, 549 slugging percentage, and you know just a really quality all-around player. This year he's transitioning from right field to center field, and that he talks about during this interview. He also talks about you know some of that preseason hype. Uh, he, t- he discusses his personality, his shoes. He was wearing some interesting boots. He's also got the stash still going. Uh, so a little bit of everything from JC, who's already become a fan favorite. Here he is at ECU Baseball Media Day. JC, tell us just about what is it like in the locker room right now, the excitement, just how ready are you guys to go out? And- um, I don't know. We're, we're really excited. Uh, we've been counting down the days till we start inter-squad, and it feels like last year this time we were already – Rolling heavy, but uh, you know we're ready to go. We're showing up every day, practicing hard, just trying to get everything fine-tuned before we get going. Jesse, this time last year we didn't know really too much about you, and obviously you're getting some you know, preseason publications and recognition this year. You just kind of ignore that and take it as it is, and just kind of focus on your game. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean we don't really look at that stuff. Uh, awards aren't handed out in the preseason, so. Just doing everything we can to get ready to go. Sounds like you're moving to center field, or at least that's a possibility this year. So what's what's that transition been like? Uh, it's it's definitely uh, a little bit more responsibility as being you know the captain of the outfield. Last year, Bryson did a really good job, but uh, really I think it's easier. Uh, you can read the swing easier. You can read the ball off the bat better. Uh, it's just about uh, helping out corner outfielders as well. So a little bit more responsibility. Coach talked about you as a vocal leader on the field, and again, you have the year under your belt. Is that something you're really eager to lean into with the yeah, younger players? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, we have Star Stop Continues every every Monday, so just about every every Monday I put continue, doing everything I can to make sure everybody's ready to go and keep pushing everybody to get ready. What areas of your game are you really going to hold in on this offseason I think speed was a big thing for me, speed and then uh, really arm accuracy in the outfield because uh, last year <laughs> there wasn't really a lot of trust with me throwing the ball all over the place, but really tried to, we worked on a lot of arm action stuff and uh, really making sure I'm not, you know, running the ball all over the place and then really trying to get faster, pick up some more stolen bases this year, a lot of more range in the outfield. We saw so many celebrations from yourself last year, and you know, kind of in the moment, get lost in the energy. 
like, is that just part of your, your style, your game? Have you always had that? And how much do you feel like that affects just energy? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't understand how people don't show emotion. I, it's, it's really adrenaline for me. You know, I, I try and get the crowd into it too because one of the main reasons I came here is we play in front of four or five thousand people every night. So um, we like to put on a show, which it's more about baseball and winning than putting on a show. But you know, fan interactions and stuff like that, it, it really gets everybody going, and especially me. Do you, do you remember like the first time when you played in front of a, thousands of people and how, how you felt in that moment? Uh, yeah, my first pinch hit appearance uh, Friday night to open the year last year. Scary. Because uh, <laughs> uh, it, it was a pitching change, right? And I'm standing there beside the plate like, you know, it took a minute for the pitching change, but it felt like an hour. I'm just looking around. Where's my mom, you know, stuff like that. But, yeah, it, it's it's exciting. It really You really feel like you're playing with more than just your teammates. You know, you got the crowd behind you. It's their part of the game, definitely. Speaking of celebrations, the new rule about no props out there yeah. on the field. I mean, are you guys having to think about that? I know it's, I know it's not, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, you know the the birdhouse, the traffic right. cone, the sledgehammer. Those are all cool, but uh, it's not really a big deal to us. Uh, we can do some imaginary celebrations, stuff like that. How much did the experience for you in, in those regionals and in those super regional games, you know, kind of give you confidence now playing in front of that crowd? As you yeah, I think um, having it, having done it once, I remember running out on the field and the the first regional game and realizing that 5,000 people are watching me. So, but uh, definitely having that under the belt, it's a lot more calming this year, I think. A lot better, a lot simpler. Last year as a freshman, you know, the season didn't get off to an ideal start for you guys. Like, what can you take from that to uh, prevent it from happening this year or try to prevent that from happening this year? Uh, We talked about it a lot. Uh, We were really not ready in the preseason. I think that's what really led up to our early season struggles. We didn't really show up every day ready to go. We were kind of lackadaisical. We got really comfortable with where we were. And this year, it's we, we've been sharp on just about every day, doing everything we can to not repeat that. So it's definitely a big focus, just being ready to go and not comfortable at all. We didn't really ask any of the other guys, but how much does not wanting to have dealing at the end of the year push you guys this offseason? Yeah. Uh, you know, we were that close, you know. I mean, I know we didn't, but some people out there probably started counting down outs. Um, but it, it hurt a lot last year. I mean, there were a lot of crucial plays that could have gone either way, but it's really a, now that we know that we're that caliber of team, we know we can do this. It's just about beating that door down. Anything else for Jason? Just the, uh, the boots and the stash. Like, <laughs> uh, are you a fashion uh, I left my dress shoes at home. My mom's bringing them up for the banquet, so uh, <laughs> I was I was actually worried that my pants weren't going to fit over my boots, but they did. So that's good. Do you keep the stash year round now? Uh, pretty much. I shaved it right after the fall because it was getting a little too long. But now I just trim it up. It's kind of part of me. I try to shave it, but it won't come off. <laughs>
Uh, team high, 341 batting average, posted 15 doubles, two triples, stole 12 bases, also walked 35 times compared to 20 strikeouts, which is just an incredible ratio. Just a great year from Lane Hoover. Uh, table setter at the top of the order, slashes, sack bunts more than anybody in college baseball. He's kind of embraced that role, plays a really good outfield, likely going to play left field once again as a senior. So we talked to Lane Hoover uh, about that and much more at Media Day. Lane, I was asking a couple of the other guys, like, what can y'all take from last year, especially the, the beginning of the year where it didn't start how y'all wanted to. I know y'all ended it on an up note until the Super Regional, but what can y'all take from last year at the beginning of the year? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is don't take anyone lightly, um, especially, you know, first weekend. And I don't think we did. I mean, they just – we're simply the better team that weekend, opening weekend, but really just be ready to go from the very first pitch for offense and defense. What's it like as an outfielder? I mean, I know this happens each year, you know, you change players, but just mm-hmm. to have someone different to your left of you potentially this year, you know, having James Coward out there in center. I mean, what's, what's it like? You have to get used to each other? How, how does that, that mesh together? Yeah, I mean, I would say that, I mean, practice is just practice with, I, I practice with him every day in BP and, you know, I think our communication is very good, and um, you know we're just going to keep on practicing that. And um, Bryson was great last year; he was a man. But you know, JC, JC is very good. He's outgoing, outspoken, and he's very loud. So I feel like our communication will be, you know, pretty good, just as well as it was with Bryson last year. Because both you and Bryson talk at times where it gets so loud at the you know the crowd, that yeah, they hear each other. And you have to... Yeah, and a, a big thing with that is just trusting each other. I mean, we've known each other ever since you know we, me and Bryson got here. But you know, a big thing last year was, was just trusting each other. That you know, if he calls it, you know, just let him let him take because I'm gonna trust that he's gonna catch it. Blaine, you probably either bunt or slash bunt more than any player in the, the country. So how much do you work on those things? Oh, it's every single day. Here in about, you know, 30 minutes, I'm about to go work on it right now. So uh, it's it's pretty much every day, every day. Does any did any opposing coaches ever like call you up for game? Do I like they hate pitching against you or hate playing against you because you're kind of you kind of like you're always keeping them on their toes with everything? Yeah, there's there's been a couple, but you know, it, it's it's my job to you know work the count and and get on base and just let the guys behind me work. JC mentioned wanting to get faster this offseason. Who's faster, you or him? Ah, it, it's pretty close. Um, you know, I, I would say I am, but um, he's got he's got long strides, so it's pretty close. So yeah. How have you seen some of the other guys in the outfield like Riley? You know, come back from injury, and Luke and, and even Carter uh, kind of grow over this, this offseason. Yeah, all of them are competitors, and you know. They're they're really going to help us out this year, and it don't. I really don't think it. It don't matter who you're going to put out in that out in the outfield. Um, we're always going to compete, and you know we're going to help encourage each other, and we're not going to, you know, put each other down. So we really don't care who's out there, um, as long as we win the game. Anything else for Lee? All right, good stuff. Thank you, Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And lastly, among our interviews, we have Josh Moylan, the third-year East Carolina first baseman. Again, highly tied up recruit coming out of high school. Had a really good freshman year. 
up and down sophomore campaign. Ended up batting 221, still hit six home runs, 11 doubles, four triples, a team high, slugged 416, struck out 51 times, still walked a good amount, 35 walks, six hit by pitches. So he reached base at a 355 clip. So a lot of people are expecting a bounce back year from Josh Mullen or just asking what went wrong last year. You know, it was clear at times it was kind of a mental struggle for the uh, six foot six foot four, 215 pound first baseman. We talked about some of the adversity he faced last year along with the team as a whole. He got into, you know, the mental side of things, how he approaches it this offseason and much more. Here's Josh Mullen, the third year East Carolina first baseman who's likely to hit in the middle of East Carolina's order. Josh, you guys as a team faced some adversity last year, and you faced some adversity too. What, what can y'all learn from that? To, what can you learn from last year? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, starting the season the way we did, it's a huge learning experience because we don't want to go out and do the same thing this year. And we all know that, and we know the staff just takes now to make sure we don't do that. Like last season, before the season, you know, we were just looking forward to the season and not really focused as much on practice each and every day. And this year especially, I mean, every day, I mean, coaches said it, we're stacking up days, and it's it's been good this year as far as fall leading into now. So I think just having that experience was great for all of us, honestly, because now we know what we need to do to make sure it doesn't happen again. What adjustments or things have you worked on this offseason? Uh, yeah, the biggest thing for me was just working on the mental side of the game. I mean, I worked with a sports site guy, his name's Nick, uh, the Tactical Mind is his company. I worked with him all summer and this past fall, and I, I think that was the biggest thing for me was to get that right. Because obviously baseball takes care of itself, but getting that side of the game right is going to make that a little easier. Was that just maybe maybe challenging you to look at things differently, or what, what were those sessions? Like? Yeah, it was a, a big change of perspective, you know, seeing things as not like obviously you have a strikeout not seeing as the end of the world because obviously it happens in baseball but to be able to move on from that go back out and just take care of business was kind of the biggest thing just changing that mindset of of all right look forward to the next opportunity instead of worrying about what just happened josh after the season ended you were really good at summer ball you really improved uh, just talk about that experience and how that helped you a little bit yeah it's awesome i mean being able to go up to the summer you know just meet new people is kind of the coolest thing for me is they're all we're all the same guys we're just playing baseball but be able to go up there, have a great experience. My host family was awesome. Just going up there and enjoying myself was a big thing, and just coming back here and, and getting ready. Josh, you always had a, you know, you've been known for your bat, but it seems like defensively you made a, a huge leap last year. Just like how much have you maybe put time to that side of things at first to really just kind of embrace that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's every day as far as working on it. I mean, obviously hitting is, is still worked on every day and a good amount, but defense especially, working with Coach Palumbo, it's, it's been a focal point as far as footwork stuff over there, just making sure my footwork's dialed in because fielding ground balls, it's, it's the same as it was when I was 13, just going out and fielding ground balls. But the footwork needs to evolve, and it has uh, working with Coach P because the game's only going to get faster from here. So if we can keep working on those things, it's, it's going to help. But defensively, yeah, it's definitely improved. Josh, since the shortstop position is still not, you know, set, is that is that an extra challenge for the rest of you in the infield, or is it just something you've learned to kind of flex as things move along? Yeah, I mean, obviously we're we want to, you know, see guys there that succeed, and we're all going out every day just taking care of our business and worrying about each other. Not as much who's going to play where, but going out and just making sure we're all having great practices. Guys are bouncing all around, so 
we have plenty of guys that can play multiple positions, so I'm, I'm not worried about filling that spot or going out each day and worrying about who's going to play there. We're just all going out and taking care of business. You mentioned the, like, the middle side of the game. Is part of that just getting back to kind of being out there on the field and having fun and like learning to enjoy it rather than overthink it? Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing for me is it's it's a game I've always loved to play and still love to play, and to be able to go out and just have fun is kind of the biggest thing, not seeing it as my job or seeing it as, all right, I, I'm here we go another day of, of playing baseball, but to go out and enjoy the time I'm spending with the guys and to be able to just go out and, and play a kid's game is honestly the biggest thing. Y'all have some, some interesting personalities on the team with J.C. and Hoover, so like, Oh, it's awesome. I mean, we come in each day, just enjoy being around each other. And we have a thing where we put our phones up as soon as we come in. So we're going in there and talking to each other. And that's the biggest thing is we get to know who we really are, not just as a baseball player, but as people. When you come in, like before practice, you put your phones, does everyone put them in one place? Yeah, they're on uh, our pitching coach, uh, AK. they're on his door. We all kind of put them in the different slots in the door and then just come in and, and talk to each other. There is East Carolina first baseman Josh Moylan, and that'll do it for our ECU baseball media day coverage. A ton of audio there. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We will continue to have coverage, content, everything leading into the February 17th opener against George Washington for a three-game series inside Clark Leclerc Stadium. Again, the Pirates ranked as high as number 11 per D1 baseball. They came out today at number 24 per Baseball America. We'll see how the start of the year plays out. Some question marks, of course, as always. We'll actually have a preseason podcast with uh, Scott Lorbatcher and Jonathan Wagner where we make our predictions, our picks to click, all that sort of stuff. Heading into the season, category leaders, predictions that we're always wrong on, but hey, we'll try to be right on them this year. So exciting times ahead. Baseball season less than a month away. We know how much people enjoy Pirate Baseball and should be another fun year at Clark LeClaire Stadium. Appreciate you guys listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. We'll continue to also talk some football. We are scheduled to take a brief look at kind of the enrollees as far as transfers later this week. I'm going to get Nova Pirate on for an in-depth breakdown of some of the guys who are returning, an early look ahead to next year, expectations, all that sort of stuff. So uh, stay tuned to the Hoist of Colors podcast, as always, for the latest on East Carolina athletics. Thank you guys for listening. Returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. 
a new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.